You're listening to an all-new Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Well, good morning and welcome to Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. We chase the Word together and sometimes we kind of catch it by the tail. That's the whole idea is that we're chasing Mm -hmm. Jesus the living word through this life. And like the woman who grabbed him by the hem of his garment and said, mm-hmm. I'm not leaving until I get my miracle. That's the way we want to approach the word together. That's what the series has been all about. And for the past four or five years now, yeah. we spent time every Monday digging into the word together to get us off to the right start for the rest of our week at Compassion Radio. Starting our series now with the book of Psalms. And yeah. we jumped in last week in the deep end with we Psalm the 18. And it's a very special psalm to me. This one really ministered to us, to me, at a time of great, great need. And we wanted to highlight that and to share that with our listeners. And we want to be about helping that progression toward the things that God values most in us and wants to build in us. And the psalm we chose to jump into here is a very special one, as Sandy said, because it impacted us at a crucial time in our lives. If you didn't have a chance to hear that broadcast from last week, that one's available online at our Compassion Radio website in the podcast section. Just click that link. You'll be able to listen to it to your computer anytime or even from your phone if you want to. The second or third stanza of Psalm 18 is where we're going to jump in today. And it starts at verse 16. It goes through verse 29. This is kind of a God said this, I did this, and God responded in this way, showing how God shows up in our specific needs. And David is talking about some very specific things that he was going through from the book of 2 Samuel, where Saul was pursuing him relentlessly. Mm -hmm. David is crying out to God to rescue him. And I think all of us have been in a place of needing some kind of rescue. And this is David's plea for God to do that and how God shows up. And the way that God shows up here is God's discretion, right? David is in a quandary. Both Saul and he have been anointed king. That's kind of a problem because usually you have that succession. One king would leave the scene, another one would come along and be anointed then. And it was typically his oldest son. Right. But Samuel and God had other plans. And it puts David in a real bind. He can't just serve the king anymore because the king is now jealous and suspicious of David's motives, kicked him out, made him literally a uh, renegade. Mm -hmm. He is now like a pirate out there on the edges of society, just trying to keep his band of thieves and merry men alive (laughs) and ready to fight another day to restore the kingdom that God has already anointed in David. Mm. It's an impossible place for him to be. The thing I think is so brave about David is that even when things were impossible, even with God, like God still has a king on the throne, and yet he's told me to be king, he still goes right to God's face and says, do something about this. Mm-hmm. People have said about David's psalm, but it seems to be awfully personal or awfully selfish. They're all about me and things I'm going through. Well, David goes through stuff, and he puts those into prayers and into songs. Yeah, well, what I love about David is his honesty before God, and it gives me, in a lot of ways, permission to be honest before God in my desperation. Nothing is sanitized for David. Yeah, It's all there on the paper. So we're going to jump into the next stanza. What's the stanza about? David's continuing to be grateful to Mm. God about how God has rescued him and the things that God is going to do to continue to rescue him. So let's jump in, verse 16, and we'll just read on through verse 29 here. David saying to God or to others about God, he reached down his hand from above me. He held me. He lifted me from the raging waters. He rescued me from my strongest enemy and from all of those who sought my death, for they were too strong. They came for me in the day of my destruction, but the eternal was the support of my life. He set me down in a safe place. He saved me. To his delight, he took joy in me. The eternal one responded to me according to my goodness. I kept my hands clean, and he blessed me. 
I kept the ways of the Eternal and have not walked away from my true God in wickedness. All of His laws were there before me, and I did not push His statutes away. I was blameless before Him. I kept myself from guilt and shame. That's why the Eternal has rewarded me for my right living. He's rewarded me because He saw my hands were clean. You are loyal to those who are loyal. With the innocent, you prove to be innocent. With the clean, you prove to be clean. And with the twisted, you make yourself contrary. For you rescue humble people, but you bring the proud back in line. You are the lamp who lights my way. The Eternal, my God, lights up my darkness. With your help, I can conquer an army. I can leap over walls with a helping hand from you. I just believe that David is really reminding God of what he's done. He's showing a lot of gratitude, and he's reminding God that you've done these things and you can do them again. You keep doing them, and you show up in ways that I need you the most. C.S. Lewis has approached this question about what God knows about us, what God knows about himself. Does God really need to be reminded how good Mm. he is? (laughs) Well, not for his sake. But for ours, certainly, because if we don't perceive him as being on our side or for us, if we don't perceive him as being holy and powerful and able to save, we're not going to ask him the right kind of questions. We're not going to respond to him in the right kind of way because our moral compass is twisted. We judge God to be somehow against us. Mm -hmm. And as long as we are in that frame of mind, not treating him as a true father, but treating him as an enemy of our future— of our circumstances, of being a stumbling block rather than as a marvelous stair step up to something better. Mm. If we don't see that opportunity ahead of us and we see nothing but disopportunities as threats, we don't ask God for the things that are good because we don't see him as good. Mm. I think that's the beauty of what David is saying here because David didn't live a life of questioning God and questioning God's love for him and delight in him. He, but he does question him. That's he different. questions God yeah. and what's happening and why are you letting this happen? But he doesn't question God's love for him. Hmm. He always ends his Psalms with how great you love me, God, how you've shown up for me, how wonderful and marvelous are your thoughts toward me. He always ends up there. You know, I just occurred to me that a dear friend of ours, and we've talked about him on our broadcast a number of times, we've been praying for him. Our friend Brian, who went through COVID last year and has probably one of the longest stories of barely surviving the disease of anybody we've ever read, mm-hmm. weeks and weeks and weeks on a ventilator and somehow survived that. Not, I think, at least because of all the prayers that were lifted up for Absolutely. him. Absolutely, He had so many on his side and still does. But it's been over a year now since the hospital. It is an unbelievable struggle for them as a family, trying to get back to basic things like being able to walk again, for wounds to heal, for breathing capacity to come back enough to be able to go a few steps at a time. Mm -hmm. It's been a very, very difficult road for them. But the treasure I have, even in that suffering, is that his wife, Karen, has committed herself to tell the truth about what's happening day by day. And when we got the uh, page set up at Caring Bridge for them, she dove into that with a passion mm-hmm. and actually told the truth about what was happening that day, good or bad, mm. devastating or exalting. And she ends every post with her sign off. Her signature is, my hope is in the Lord. And it absolutely reads to me like a psalm. Mm-hmm. That refrain, that message anchors it all. Because for their family, 
as troubling as it's been, as financially devastating as it's been, as traumatic as it's been for his children, and both of his girls have gone through a lot of stress because of all this, they have to remind themselves and they make an effort to do it and they do it well. Mm -hmm. They remind themselves that their hope is truly in the Lord. Lord. That's the way David lives. Mm -hmm. He asks a lot of really hard questions, but he doesn't question the character of God. He does definitely question what in the world you're up to. Why would I have to go through this? Why the suffering? Why the running? Why the confusion? Why all of this? You know, we can't say it's all because of one reason, but we do benefit from a reason, which is over all these centuries, everybody who's ever gone through trauma in their lives can turn to these Psalms, especially the Psalms of David, and see somebody who knows what they've gone through. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, I think it's one of the biggest issues that frames the future of Messiah. That in David, we see somebody who knew our struggles. And then in Mm. Jesus, we know somebody who went to the extra degree. Because you see, there's one thing in this whole list of things that God is not. When I did right things, God is writer. I mean, he's saying all these, he's always the good things. But when I was twisted, he was contrary. So in David's perspective, God can't be morally wound up in a knot. But we can. By contrast, we see it for what it is and can bring it to him. Mm But he's also not yet forsaging the Messiah coming, who would, in fact, be tied up in knots and would be nailed to a tree. Later Psalms do that. But there's something about the idea of God can't be corrupted. Therefore, he can't be warped. And yet we can be. So I don't think he's just talking about being tied up in knots physically. I think he's talking about the inner turmoil. Mm. And God is not at inner turmoil, as far as David knows of God at the point. The spirit of prophecy will eventually come upon him and show that Jesus himself will have been shredded for us, that God in Jesus would in fact experience the depths of the despair that David's going through and go way beyond that. Mm, We're seeing the first hints of that in the psalm. I think it's a beautiful thing here. David talks about his integrity in verse 20 through 24. I kept my hands clean. And Mm. and we read a story in 2 Samuel where David had an opportunity to take Saul's life. Yeah. Saul was in a vulnerable place. He had gone into a cave to use the bathroom, basically, mm-hmm. is what it's saying. And he the was, cave that he was hiding in. And the David was there and could have taken Saul's life without a second thought. In human language, we would say he had every right to do that because yeah. Saul was seeking his life and would have killed him had he known David was there. But David remained silent and let Saul have his privacy and then watched him walk out of the cave. But he did do something that was regrettable in his book later. He cut off the bottom of the robe of Saul while he was in there Yes, to mark it, to say, look, I could have had you. But he also realized later that he severed his authority by cutting off the hem of his garment. Yes. And that image is recurring in Jesus's life a number of times. The very stole of his authority as a rabbi, the one he earned, people learned to treasure. Oh, here comes that rabbi, the one who really knows how to save, to lead us right, who one who really heals, the one who's raising the dead. That kind of authority is that Messiah. Mm. I think my point to that was not where you're going with it, but it, I mean, it is a good point, and, and I agree completely with what you're saying. But my point in this was that even in this time of trauma that David was going through, running for his life, right. trying to stay out of the way, out of Saul's clutches, he kept his hands clean. Yes, and he, he did, from blood. He kept living a life of integrity. Mm. And he says, I didn't walk away from the true God. Yeah. I didn't push his statues away, his laws, his, his word. Was, I didn't push all of this away. I was blameless in that. And I kept myself from guilt and shame because I continued to pursue righteousness and godliness. Mm. 
Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. We have a very special giving opportunity for a special offering to the church in Ukraine. And I beg of you, send your best gift today to support the Christian family there. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. I was blameless in that, and I kept myself from guilt and shame because I continued to pursue righteousness and godliness. And I think that's why the Eternal saves me, is what he's saying here. He's rewarded me because he saw that my hands were clean. And I think about all of these people that we know, and myself included in this, who have gone through a time of what they're calling deconstruction. Mm taking a really deep dive into looking at what I have been taught my whole life to believe in and not having some things line up, not pushing the Word of God away. Yeah. For all of the the difficulties and the troubles that, that some of us go through, hanging on to Jesus has been the strength for me. And, and I, I love what Beth Moore says, I'll leave everything behind, but I'm hanging on to Jesus. Mm. You know, organized religion, theology, all of that stuff can go by the wayside, but I'm going to hang on to Jesus. And I think that's what David is telling us here. He's saying, you know, all of this stuff that has happened to me has been so, so hard, but I am not going to let go of the eternal one, of the true God. Every hero of the faith that we read from Origen through Augustine, through all the later saints that we see as part of the canon of people that led the way deeper into Jesus, into truth— None of them that we read about did not have a crisis of the soul. Mm -hmm. They went to a place where they took God's word so seriously, they went all the way in and said, what is here? What is it really saying? Not just what the church has taught me, but what's the word? How do I get to know the word? And when they went into the word, they found a lot of troubling things. Mm -hmm. And they had to face this thing saying, wait a minute, there's a lot of horrible things going on amongst God's chosen people. How can this be right How can this be true? Why is this even in the story? And why am I doubting now the goodness of God when he orders his people to go do these atrocities? And they get troubled by those things because they actually went to the places where God revealed all of it. He didn't hold anything back from the word of God. He let it all be on the table. The worst and best of man, the consistency of himself, and the apparent heaviness of his judgment when it comes time to get rid of sin. All kinds of things there stir up in our hearts. We are left with a real mess of emotions. What is God really up to? And I think every saint who's gone along before us, has led the way, has come to that point of saying, God, who are you? Hmm. Yeah. How does Jesus fit into that? And how is he really you? Because he does not seem to be anything like some of the things I read about in the Old Testament. And yet you say it's all part of the same thing. It's troubling. Yeah. So we come back to those questions. We leave the right kind of questions on the altar by the example of David saying, okay, I don't get it. I don't get what this thing is about. I don't understand what you're up to, but I believe in you. Mm -hmm. 
And because of that, I'm going to have to trust you, even if it makes no sense right now. Where do we go next? And another thought comes to mind. If we really are questioning God's motives, we don't trust him. Are we really likely to see the way he's watching out for us, or the way he's blessing us, or the way he's benefiting us? Because if we don't see him as being good, we doubt everything he's doing or everything we see in the world. But David does not. So even when things are at their worst, he does not feel like God is out to get him. Mm -hmm. And therefore, he doesn't accuse God of things that God is not responsible for. And he's able to see the blessings of God around him. He's seeing the reward. Yeah, I would absolutely love to have that character trait in me. It's not built in me. I don't have that innate trust in things and in people and in situations. I tend to go to the negative. Mm. So David is a good reminder for me that God is for me, Yeah. even in all of the difficulties and all of the troubles. And I tend to think that he's not for me sometimes. I tend to go to that place of, well, God must have abandoned me because... Right. This is a tough situation. I have to remind myself that, no, God really does delight in me. God really does love me to the furthest nth degree. Mm -hmm. God really is for me. He is a light to my path. He isn't taking me through darkness so that I'll trip and fall and hurt myself. He's showing me that he's showing up in the dark. And boy, does he show up in the dark. (laughs) But if we don't believe that God is there for us, how could we believe that he's able to be with us in the dark. Mm -hmm. Is this not the definition of what Paul is saying about faith is the evidence of things not seen? Mm -hmm. When things are at their darkest, faith knows who God is. We've had a lot of struggle, I think, in modern language trying to figure out what is Paul saying by that? I think what he's saying is right here in David. When things were at their bleakest, when I couldn't see how God was at work in me or in circumstances or how he would even bring any of us to any good, he was still there. And I think it's a holy imagination that's visible in David's song here. He's able to see that which is unseeable because God makes it possible for him to believe that God is good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go back to verse 20. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness. Now, we understand righteous nowadays to be something that is a gift to us, that God makes us right with him because of all his goodness. That is not to say that there is no goodness in us, although many will preach that. There's nothing good in me. and has to start from nothing becomes something, as if we didn't exist before, as if God could only see the sin. That's a really extreme position to take. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of branches of Christianity which will start there saying we can't really see God for who he is until we see ourselves for the total sin we are. Well, and it makes us maybe not have such a loving God that wouldn't even look at us otherwise. And we're afraid of him the (laughs) entire time. We should be fearful of his righteousness because it is so awesome. In other words, creates an awe in us that's so overwhelming, like all of our nerves are at their max. Well, I think capacity. it's a holy respect. It's yes. a deep respect and fear in that sense, not afraid of. And God makes really. it possible for us to respond appropriately. So when Dave is saying, God has dealt with me according to my righteousness, well, whether it was a gift or something he feels like he actually did, here it is. He did choose rightly, and he's not afraid to say that. He chose to live a life that has not taken innocent blood, that has not done these things that could be within his power to do it. He's saying, look, Lord, my hands are clean. That's the language we use today. Mm -hmm. So I don't have blood on my hands. You know this about me, God. So according to the cleanness of my hands, he has rewarded me. Now, if you don't believe that God is for you, you're not going to see the reward in him being there with you. Right. But he does see that God's there and believes that he is good. Therefore, I can say, look, Lord, my hands are clean. You know this about me. I'm singing about it. I could have done evil with these hands. I have not. And because of that, he has rewarded me. 
In other words, he's able to see the ways God is present and good to him. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not everything he might hope for, it's something. Somewhere in there, God has showed up and has rewarded me. He says, I've kept the ways of the Lord. As he's been taught them, as much as he knows about the word of God, he's followed. He's taken it seriously, is the way we would say it in modern language. And we say that a lot in our broadcasts. Mm-hmm. I am much more interested that we take God seriously and his word seriously than I am that we are perfectionists. Right. That we have to prove every little point and be right about everything. Well, good, because we're not. <laughs> and we get things <laughs> wrong from time to time. <laughs> but as we walk in that, as we see God's view of us saying, they're right with me, they're good with me. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything against them. I'm for them. So let's walk. Mm -hmm. And you trust that word saying he's not out to get us. He's not holding a secret vendetta against us. He is, in fact, wanting us to come with him because he wants us to see and experience good things. I've kept the ways of the Lord, and I'm not guilty of turning from God inside or out. He doesn't have hatred or bitterness against things or against God who might have done them. He's saying, my heart's open. I'm an open book. And if there's anything about David I've seen through all the Psalms, that man is a wide open book. Very much so. He says, I've been blameless before him. That just means that there's no reason people could take him to court and prove him guilty of some crime, morally or otherwise, before God. Mm -hmm. He knows that even if he was accused of something, he would come up innocent in this court of law that God runs. Mm -hmm. That God knows truth and that he knows that David is not against God. And has rewarded me according to my righteousness. He doesn't say he gives him everything like he's perfect. He says, to the degree that I'm okay. In all the things I can see that are okay, God's okay with me and pours out all kinds of stuff that are good to me until I'm okay. In the voice translation, it says, he saw my hands were clean. And I am one of these people who notices Mm -hmm. when Scripture tells us that God saw us. And for him to see our hands are clean, he's got to be looking. He's got to see us. And we talked about that last week in the broadcast about he saw and came to my rescue. He heard me, he saw me, and he listened. And I think that is so important for us now today. It's important for me to remember that God sees me. God sees my efforts. God sees my heart. He sees my situation and he hears my cry for help. And he rescues us. He delights in us because he is for us. We keep pounding on that, but I think it's something important to pound on because he is for us. And we need to be told that over and over. If we're in a moral, spiritual war, and we are on this planet exposed to all kinds of forces that are not pleasant, that are not for God, they're against him. They want evil to be done in this world. And we deal with that on a daily basis. And if we're on the front lines of that kind of faith, and we're saying, it is so close. There's so many things crowding in on me. I'm not sure how to get out of this. God, bring your spiritual ordinance in and just pound the enemy. <laughs> That's a good word for it. Okay. And you're looking at the world around you saying, it's so close. But God, I really trust that your aim is accurate because I'm in the middle of this battle and I want you to drop those mortars in on the enemy around me. While it's happening and God is dropping his spiritual ordinance all around you, the ground may shake violently. Mm, That's a good point. But are you in the shadow of his protection there? Yeah. All around you could be erupting into huge explosions and it could be dangerous. If you stepped out of the place you were in, you could be right in the middle of the danger zone. Mm -hmm. But David is a warrior. And as a warrior, he knows that God is able to shoot straight. And to pinpoint with accuracy, unbeknown to man, (laughs) the kind of cover fire we need in facing moral crises in our lives. Mm -hmm. And so he rains it down. And it may seem like the end of the world is coming because of it. And yet, 
God is doing exactly what he promised David he would do. I will take care of you in the worst of times. So I would say that's probably the closing word for this couple of stanzas is, even in the worst of times, God is covering you, not putting a blanket around you necessarily, but other times just literally to drop the bombs on the enemy. And it could be a very unnerving experience to see God come to your rescue. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you trust God's motives, you trust that he really is for you. Even the craziness of war around you would be nothing compared to the knowledge, the assurance that you are truly his and in him, that your identity is secure. Absolutely. Because God is for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where we'll leave this week's Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word on the book of Psalms, chapter 18, a David Psalm. And we'll be focusing more on this particular psalm for the next few weeks. We invite you to join us back for that next Monday. And of course, our regular Compassion Radio broadcast starting tomorrow on Tuesday. We'll give you the world, as it's really happening right now, as best we can, to show you how God really is at work in the lives of people just like you in places all around the world. And showing up for us. Thanks for joining us. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter will prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold Through life's fearful path For my love is often cold He must hold me fast We're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. 1-800-868-2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.